Hey y'all, DJ Louie here, just dropping a preview of our latest Pop Pantheon All Access episode, which is an addendum piece to our current Mariah series, which is rolling out on our main feed. This episode is a conversation with The Wall Street Journal's John Jurgensen about Mariah's ascension to the Queen of Christmas. We talk all about the journey of her release of her 1994 album, Merry Christmas, and All I Want for Christmas is You, the song you guys may be familiar with, how it's slowly infiltrated through culture and become a Christmas standard, and we rewind and talk about the interaction between pop and Christmas music in general throughout the last 50, 60, 70 years, and how Mariah's success as a pop star in the Christmas field has impacted stars who have attempted to also enter the Christmas field in her wake. So here's a clip of that episode. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash poppantheon to hear the rest of this episode and to hear at least three bonus episodes of the show per month, or by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. So here's that clip. Okay, so I am here with entertainment reporter for the Wall Street Journal, John Jurgensen. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So we are obviously covering Mariah on our main feed. We're going in depth on her entire prolific pop career. And her career, as I was kind of talking to you about off mic just now, also includes this sort of adjacent but also connected element to it, which is Mariah as... Christmas doyen, like Mariah as the queen of Christmas. And it's been part of her career DNA from very early on. Obviously, her iconic album, Merry Christmas, and its lead single, which has gone on to become part of the Christmas canon, All I Want for Christmas Was You, came out in 1994. But it also feels like in some ways, she's slowly ascended to that title. And, you know, over time, she's gone on to more overtly embrace the idea of herself as like part and parcel with Christmas. So I wanted to use this conversation to talk a little bit about Mariah in the context of Christmas. I want to talk about All I Want for Christmas is You as a modern Christmas classic in a way that it seems harder and harder to achieve. And then maybe talk a little bit more about the Christmas canon in general and how that all works and, you know, where Mariah fits into it all. So my first question for you is, I'd like to go back to 1994 when Mariah initially released Merry Christmas and initially released All I Want for Christmas is You and help situate people because we live in a moment right now where like pop stars releasing Christmas albums is very common. It can happen at any point in your career from right at the beginning to the middle to the end, but that was not so much the case in 1994. So can you describe a little bit for me what it meant for Mariah to release and Christmas album at this period in her career and why that might have been risky seeming in the way that pop stars had interfaced with Christmas music up to that point. Yeah, think about Mariah Carey in 1994. She's in her early 20s. She's only a few years out from her debut album. She's a superstar. And she had put out a few albums before this and was on the ascent. She was on her way up. In her memoir, she credits Tommy Matola, who was the head of her label and soon to be her husband. They got married in 93 with this idea of putting out a Christmas album. She, at the time, spoke to anyone who wanted to listen about how much she loved Christmas. So I don't think there was any kind of disconnect there. She loves Christmas. But the disconnect comes from a commercial standpoint. Like, why would she release a Christmas album while she's still on the upswing of her career? Her previous album, 1993's Music Box, had sold 20 million albums you know it was it was a big hit and she had put out other hits and she was going to put out more uh, in the coming years so in some ways it kind of seemed like a detour because at that time the holiday music genre was really like the domain of the has-beens the old timers the easy listening acts 
you know, it was soft stuff. It wasn't really what you would be doing if you were the red heart moment of, of your career. So think about other artists who were putting out Christmas albums at her time in 94. You know, there was Neil Diamond. There was Donna <laughs> Summer. You know, these were not mm. acts in their prime who were putting out Christmas albums. There was another Elvis album coming out at that point, too. So mm. it, it certainly seemed like a detour for her and probably a risky one, not knowing how that was going to fly with folks at the time. So was it safe to say that, like, no other pop act, like, at least in the general range that we're thinking of in Mariah, let's say like the 80s, 90s, had put out a Christmas album at the peak of their career? Or were there other acts who had done that in the past that she was maybe looking to? Not unheard of at all. I mean, think back 10 years before that, and you had Wham! <laughs> who put right. out Last Christmas, which remains one of the ultimate Christmas songs and has went on to become a standard. And that was in 84, you know, at the height of their powers. So it wasn't unheard of, wasn't unprecedented, but at that time in 94, especially in the world that she was living in, mm. the market that she was living on, it, it, it seemed like a detour. So, you know, there's probably some eye rolling around the release of that album also because the other contact, which I mentioned, is her husband, Ty Matola, the head of this. Right. Level. You know, there was a perception, an unfair perception, I think, but also probably some aspects of it were true, given the conditions that she lived under uh, with him, right. was that he was right. sort of controlling her career and also... Right pushing and marketing her in a way that maybe seemed over the top. And some going back and reading some of the news coverage of this release, there's some snark in the music press about, you know, oh my gosh, they're marketing the hell out of this Christmas album from Mariah. Mm. So there was a bit of eye rolling around the release, but you know, ultimately the, the music did speak for itself. Right. I wonder if before we just get into talking specifically about All I Want for Christmas is You, in your mind, and aside from the fact that like Mariah had openly discussed her like passion for the holiday and like the Christmas spirit even from earlier in her career are there things about mariah as an artist that feel uniquely suited to christmas music or suited to this role she plays as the queen of christmas like even in this early phase of her career like either in terms of how she's perceived image-wise or like what her strengths are as a songwriter and performer? I think in some ways it's actually probably more in line with that earliest phase of her career than what would mm. later because her pivot into the hip-hop world and right. her embrace of the hip-hop sound which really sort of helped rocket her to even higher heights uh was mm. still to come so you know she was still much more in the early part of her career the first few albums is the kind of ultimate singer phase the diva phase that really you know i think a lot of focus was on her talent as a vocalist and a singer right. and right. people were eager to align her with great female singers of the past, you know, your Aretha's and, and folks of that caliber. So in that respect, I think there is some sort of alignment. There is a bit of a parallel for her as a real master craftsman of vocals and vocal mastery that puts her in line with artists of decades past and the things that those artists did, whether it was Aretha who recorded Christmas music or previous singers too. So in some ways, it wasn't that much of a stretch because she did pay homage both in her music and in what she said to greats of the past. And that definitely comes through in the way that that album and that song specifically was produced. Right. And I think to that point also, as you mentioned, like prior to her engagement with contemporary hip hop sounds, and even beyond that, I think Mariah also as like a songwriter seemed like someone that 
in a term that we overuse on this podcast in particular, was a real student of pop history. Someone that through her early works in particular, like if you think about the disco flourishes on emotions or even some of just the way that she crafts her lyrics and song structure, like feels very steeped in like American songbook tradition, which like obviously Christmas music is, you know, in conversation with, is part of, you know, is often composed by those who have like kind of created pop music styles and crafted as we know it, if you're thinking about Cole Porter, etc. So I feel like in some ways her sort of traditionalism up to this point and her broad appeal, like because Christmas music also is, you know, some of the most broadly accessible music in pop history helps situate her as like, you know, someone that would make sense in this milieu, uh, you know, especially in this early part of her career as you're mentioning. Totally so let's talk about All I Want for Christmas is You. Obviously the album Merry Christmas is a success in its own right, but this is the song that has become emblematic of Mariah's Christmasness and also is probably the most enduring modern Christmas classic of the last 30, 40 years, or probably since the Wham song. Can you describe what it sounds like? Like, if you had to describe what All I Want for Christmas Is You sounds like, either in the context of, like, what it's referencing more broadly in pop history or if there's specific Christmas music that it's referencing, what is the sort of aesthetic guys of all i want for christmas is you i think the reason all i want for christmas is you the reason it worked in 94 and the reason it works today is because it doesn't sound like either of those times it sounds like a time right. from before that right and that's right. the sort of magic trick that you can pull off with this genre that you know you can do the ultimate retro throwback thing and mm. it's not a stylistic lark it's like that's the mo right that's the job to kind of make right. if a you, timeless you want song. it to be referential to pastimes you want right. it to feel nostalgic right right it feels nostalgic because it directly draws specifically on the 60s pop and rock that was being produced by Phil Spectre. You know, the famous wall of sound is talked about so much, but I mean, it's really like if you had to kind of reproduce it at any song since then, it, you certainly hear it here. You could have Darlene Love singing these lyrics. in front of this big arrangement. So right. it directly quotes and seems to flow from kind of the 60s ultimate big lush ebullient arrangements that Phil Spector is known for. the kind of way it was described at the time and even the way uh, Mariah and her co-writer Walter I'm going to get his name wrong. I never know how to say it. Often FCF. I'm sure you've been saying that that name. I, I, I have had to learn how to say it. I literally, <laughs> it's a name I've read over and over again in my life and have never had to say out loud until the last couple of weeks where I just cannot stop saying it. So I, I think I, she always referred to Walter A, right? So I think she, had to, she stumbled on it, on, it, on it as well. But at the time, they yeah. only embraced it and referenced it because, you know, that is the markings and the trappings of pop mastery. You know, that's when pop music was 
at its height, arguably. And so there's a great tradition of artists wanting to kind of grab a piece of that and channel it in their own music. Right. And also, I mean, the Ronettes and Phil Spector had famously created a very successful Christmas album. So it really makes sense as like a reference point. I wonder, as you mentioned, I think she was clearly aware of that. Thematically, what's it about and how, you know, Christmas songs have thematic texture to them, certain thematic ideas that run through them. Like, how does this song work in conversation, like thematically and lyrically with Christmas music? And what is it about exactly? It's such a simple little thing that it does. The song talks about that was just a preview if you enjoyed that and you want to hear the rest of this episode plus up to three bonus episodes of this show per month you can subscribe at patreon.com slash pop pantheon or by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode